Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 23, coming at you on August 4th. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by Matt Nine and Sam Ehrman. Uh, Today, we are going to pivot away from the division previews and talk about the NFL training camp storylines we got going on. There's a ton going on as as camp is, is now underway. We're going to talk about Terrace Marshall. We're going to hit on some of the rookie quarterbacks that are out there, what we're seeing from them. Um, Elijah Moore, Jordan Love, Carson Wentz, a big injury there in Indianapolis. We'll talk about the Colts offense. And with all this stuff going on, just want to remind you guys, we are offering our Patreon for free. If you go sign up this week, you'll get it for free for the month of August. If you got nothing to lose, patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. There's so much good info there. We have the NFL database, which you guys have probably heard about. You can find pretty much any info you want on any given team or player in that database. But like I said, with training camp getting underway, we're providing so many updates to our Patreon members. I've I've had feedback from some that say that the, the Patreon updates that they get are really all they need, that they don't really use Twitter that much. They just love the, the Patreon updates. And with training camp coming, this is the perfect time to join. So sign up for free. Um, just see if you like it. You got nothing to lose. Patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. But with that, let's get into the show. Carson Wentz, or do you want to just start? Well, I see. I'm super anxious personally to talk about like Terrace Marshall. Um, have you guys seen him? Like, have you, have you genuinely looks, seen him? He looks good physically, he looks huge. Yeah, yeah. he does look big, he looks he fantastic. Does. And he's lighting it up in Carolina, apparently. I mean, I've heard Sam, Sam Darnold has struggled a little bit, but I mean, I think overall, like, they're, they're pretty excited. Um, and he looks great. And the 88, like, the 88 looks cool. Like, he actually looks good on the 88, unlike, like, uh, Kadarius Tony with 89. Is there a weird chance, a small chance, that Robbie Anderson gets moved this year by the deadline, or is he there for sure? Nah, he, he's not going anywhere. He's too valuable this year. I mean, and he's a good player. It's just next year when he's gone, it's, it, it's pretty obvious next year he'll be gone. So then, like, Terrace Marshall and DJ will both get huge bump-ups. I mean, that makes sense, right? I mean, like, if Terrace Marshall comes out and puts up 60 for 750 and 5 this year and Robbie Anderson is leaving, then you would assume that he's going to get a huge volume and value boost, right? Or am I crazy? No, I think that's probably true. So where does that leave you? I mean, that's if he can play. I mean, like, I, that's assuming he could play. I mean, he could absolutely be flat out horrible. I mean, I don't think he will be, but I mean, I think you know. I mean, like, there's a, like, there's a possibility that he becomes the best wide receiver out of this class. I don't think it'll. I don't think that's the case, but that's a, that's certainly in the realm of possibilities, right? Yeah, I mean, he. He looks like he could be an alpha for sure. And, you know, that could certainly translate to being 
the top dog of this class. So I guess I'm curious because, you know, maybe like a month ago, he was probably considered like a second round rookie pick. Are you are you taking him in the first round if you're drafting now? I don't know. I that, see. I it depends on the draft. I know that's cliche, but it really depends. I mean, like if I'm sitting there at ten, and hypothetically all the running backs are gone, and Chase is gone, and Pitts is gone, and you know, like, and I'm hypothetically debating between Bateman and Marshall. Who are you taking? Like and, with all the information we have now, both of those guys look good. And probably Devon. I mean. I, well, we could talk about Devontae Smith after this, but he obviously is banged up and missing some time now. So that might take a little dip. You know, he might have a little dip from that. So are you taking Marshall over Devontae Smith at this point? Yeah. I, no, uh, hold on. I don't know. That's a tough uh, one. Well, I think that answer depends and changes for every single person because I think it depends on what you believe about Jalen Hurts and what the Eagles will be this year. And if you think he can stay healthy. Right. Um, and what did he have? It was a stinger or. You talking about Smith now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, MCL spray. Oh. He Damn, was on. He, uh, it was two days ago. He was on the field today, though, which is a good sign because I saw a lot of the beat reporters saying, you know, if it's pretty serious, they'll be in the locker room getting treatment. Ah. He was on the field doing, doing some in, individual work. I just hit my funny bone. So I think um, a guy who's been, I've been hearing a lot about a guy I already liked quite a bit was Elijah Moore. So I just kind of want to throw him into that bucket. Can, can, I, can I say, can we go back to Terrace Marshall real quick? Well, yeah, yeah. I just kind of wanted to throw more in the bucket. of. We're, all we're talking about like the four players. Like if you're on the, like with, with everything you know now. And well, what I know now is that I, I constantly, I constantly see, uh, Sam Darnold throws an interception. Jace Horn picks off Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold throws an interception. Like that's, I understand it's training camp and we can't, you know, we got to take it with a grain of salt, but you know, you play how you practice and we've seen three and a half years of bad Sam Darnold. So at what point do you start to become yeah. nervous about maybe Terrace Marshall? But here's the question is, do you think that he's going to be worse than Teddy Bridgewater last year? Because Curtis Samuel was the three last year and he put up like 70 receptions. And I think Terrace Marshall's better than Curtis Samuel. So I mean, like, if if that's the floor we're potentially looking at, is that not still valuable regardless? Yeah, I mean, what was it? I was having this. Let's see. Curtis Samuel had ninety-seven targets, seventy-seven receptions, eight hundred fifty yards, and three touchdowns. He also had forty-one rushing attempts. So that kind of saved his value. I don't see Terrace Marshall. Well, but I also think that Terrace Marshall is a better wide receiver than Curtis Samuel is. But I think oh, Curtis oh, I, Samuel. I, I do too. I do yeah. Too. So I think like he gets a bump up a little bit, and and Terrace Marshall was the only big wide receiver on that team. Like big body, go yeah, up and get yeah, it. Yeah. I can still create separation. Be an alpha. Like it's him and Brian Edwards are. I don't. I don't like Terrace Marshall as the wide receiver three. I like him if he beats out Robbie Anderson, which I think he will, but I don't see, we necessarily see that week one or two. I think that might come a few weeks into the season. Well, I think the question also is where is, where is Marshall going to line up? I know know Marshall can play out of the slot and outside. So 
I guess there's it, also a question. There's also McCaffrey. I mean, I don't think Sam Darnold can support four guys. No, 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 no. I mean, I don't think he – but here, here's the thing. Um, and here's the question that at least you have to ask yourself is with Terrace Marshall, you know that in 2021, Terrace Marshall, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore are going to be on the field. You can pretty much chalk up DJ for about 120 targets at the bare minimum. And then you're kind of just waiting to see between those two. The way it'll probably go is there'll be weeks between Marshall and Anderson. They blow up um, and the other guy will be quiet. I think it'll be back and forth. I think it'll be a game plan scheme dependent thing. You know, one week, do you need the speed or do you need the size? What, what was that, Matt? What was that reaction? It's like, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm indifferent. I mean, I just feel like you. I don't know. I still I mean, think Terrace Marshall in the slot. I like that. Cause yeah. His frame is not as big as Claypool, but I saw somebody tweeted out, I'm getting, you know, Chase Claypool vibes from Terrace Marshall for rookie year. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because Claypool's just an entirely different animal. But if he's your only big guy, you play that big slot role, you might get those those red zone looks that Anderson and, and DJ Moore might not get then. So, I mean, he does, he is interesting. He I def- could be I def- great for, like, best ball this year yeah I, d- I definitely like him in dynasty for sure i'm just yeah. i guess i'm just a little hesitant on 2021 but 2022 you know wheels up well it's not wheels up because you won't like there's some there's still some risk there because you don't know who the quarterback's gonna be it, it might not be arnold i mean like yeah, if darnold goes yeah. out there and absolutely stinks it up then they're gonna be looking for another new quarterback uh, but if they come out there and he's good then you know, like, you know, Darnold is the guy moving forward, then you should, then it should be wheels up because that would tell me Sam Darnold had a good year and he's hitting that potential that he has. Like Sam Darnold is still only 23. Like he's still got tons of potential and he was with the worst potential head coach to have coming in with a, with no talent around him. So I'm looking at this year as a rookie year almost for Sam Darnold. I still think it's a make or break year, though. I I do as well, but I'm still looking at it as a rookie year. Like I'm kind of taking the tape and throwing it away from the previous three years because it was really bad. Um, the coaching, the players around him, um, the play calling, like everything was so bad that like what you saw out of Sam Darnold is hard to put against him. You know what I mean? Like, that will not – his situation will be nothing like what it was. So, I don't know. I guess I don't know if you know, even what I'm trying to say makes any sense. But I'm looking at this year as like a rookie year, um, but like a literally a one-year make-or-break rookie deal because like if he comes out there and they go 2-15 and 15 and he throws 20 interceptions, he's done. He'll never be a starter again in the NFL. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you get you get two chances. You really get two chances. He's on strike two. You don't get three strikes in the NFL most of the time. I mean, like, yeah, he's a number three overall pick, but, I mean, the tenth overall pick of that class got, I think it was like seven games with a team that was set up to fail. So. Regardless, I think I, – I personally, I think there's enough questions 
around that offense that I'm probably still taking the other guys first. But like, I mean, I got Marshall a, a month ago, maybe at like 210 in a in a rookie draft, which is absurd. He's going as on DLF, he's going as wide receiver 45. So I mean, he's still compared to Devonte Smith, who's going as wide receiver 25. That's a huge gap, but that's uh, criminal. It, it, I yeah. mean. I think Devonta Smith can be that good. Um, it's just – I don't think the gap is that big. Like, And I think Terrace Marshall has the higher ceiling, personally. What about uh, – I think Elijah Moore is the, the gem here. I, I really think – I mean, the reports – I already liked him a lot, but the reports out of Jets camp, I mean – people can't say enough uh, about the way he's come in and, and taken to the offense quickly and has performed really well. And well, he's going as wide receiver 38. So he's still going ahead of Terrace Marshall. Okay. Yeah. Which personally, I, I don't would take, hate that. I don't hate it. He's I potentially the number one option. I mean, yeah, potentially. And I do well, like the fact that apparently him and, uh, I mean, I know Wilson's only been there for a few days now, but I do like when the rookie quarterback and wide receivers come in together and have some, uh, you know, immediate chemistry. I think there's something to be said for that. Like Jordan Love and Amari Rogers. Yeah, it's going to be a sweet 22 stack. I'm really excited for, like, long-term with those guys. Like, I mean, yeah, I like both of them, but he, I, I was nervous for Jordan Love having the 2021 season. But knowing that he'll have two years behind Aaron Rodgers should be like – like, that is huge. Like, that's like two extra years of, like, graduate college. I mean, seriously, like, you're not getting coaching behind Aaron – like, you're not getting better coaching than behind Aaron Rodgers anywhere in the world. Maybe and Tom Brady. He's taking that next progression as well because the Packers – He's lighting up camp. Yeah, the, he's having a The Packers – plan all along was to start him in the 2022 season like they wanted to sit him behind Rodgers for two years and they're kind of I keep hearing this the saying you know the Packers with Rodgers coming back there they got the cake and they get to eat it too because they basically get to execute the plan they had from the start but what we had last year was you know Jordan Love was the scout team third team quarterback or third quarterback whatever now this year he's the backup Next year, he's the starter. So it's that natural progression from three to two to one. And like you said, he gets two years behind Rodgers, which is huge. I think people are making way too much of, oh, he couldn't beat out Nick Boyle for the QB2. I think the whole plan for 2020 was to sit him there and have him shut up and never sniff the field and learn. Um, I think they knew he was raw. And I think two years behind um, – Aaron Rodgers is huge. And, like, it's the same thing with Amari Rodgers being able to hit sit behind Randall Cobb. Like, that's going to be huge. Like, if – how do I say this? Jordan Love, Amari Rodgers, and Devontae Adams could be a fantastic, like, big three in the, the receiving game in 2022 with all of the – like, the education that they've had behind them. Because I think Amari Rodgers is going to show enough flash this year that he's so, people are going to be scooping him up all over when Randall Cobb leaves and he's the starting full-time slot. Plus, I still think Amari Rodgers outsnaps Amar, or Randall Cobb. I just don't know how much production it will lead to um, for 2021. Yeah, I definitely think they get a deal done with Devontae Adams. Not that, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't feel yeah. like they're dumb enough to the point to know that's like Jordan Love – 
he can't, you know, just have Alan Lazard, St. Brown, and Amari Rogers. Like, in order to help a young quarterback, you have to have a stud wide receiver, and they have that. Well, see, and I was trying to talk to my best friend Ryan about this the other day, and I wanted to say I was like, it's funny because the the Jordan, the Packers are doing a great job building around Jordan Love. Like they really are. They've got him two running backs, two wide receivers, a pretty decent offensive line, a bunch of young talent on the back end of the defense. Like the <laughs> they've done a great job building around Jordan Love. It's just almost asinine that they couldn't do that around um, Aaron Rodgers for 15 years. Like Amari Rodgers, Devontae Adams, you know, like these young pieces, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, like he's going to have pieces to work with for years to come. Like I think with this extra year behind Rodgers and learning, they could be pretty decent in 2022. I don't think – they'll take, they'll definitely take a step back. I mean, like, when you lose a guy, you take a step back. But I think, you know, 2022 is his learning year. He gets his feet wet, shows his potential. People are excited. And I think 2023 is when the Packers are, you know, like, if Jordan Love can play, ready to go. I mean, you'd have Elmari Rodgers in year three, Devonta Adams pushing 30, you know, like – his peak prime, you know, A.J. Dillon in year three or year four. So, I mean, like, I think looking down the road, the Packers have done a great job building around Jordan Love. It's just the fact that they wouldn't do it around Aaron Rodgers during the 2010s. So, if you're if you're trying to buy Jordan Love right now, I know – because, Matt, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but with Rodgers coming back, are you trying to buy – I assume you're trying to buy Jordan Love now for, you know, cheaper – right yeah. oh absolutely i don't you should i mean I, you, you can try and buy cheaper i'm not entirely sure anyone's selling cheaper i think i think the going rate is still just a first like okay. a 22 or a 23 I, first one for one yeah i was told i wouldn't even get a first for him in like my main league and i was like okay i'm not trying to sell him like i traded for him with the anticipation that that was a dead roster spot for two years like i understand the risk with jordan love but i'm also intelligent enough to understand the upside and yeah. I will like uh, he's totally worth a 2023 first to me. Would I, so here's the question: Would you? And this is the question I've asked myself, and this is why I would never take less than a 2023 first for him. Would you rather have a quarterback in 2023, fresh out of college, a first round draft pick, or would you rather have a third year pro sat behind Aaron Rodgers for two years and is ready to go? Like I mean, like Jordan Love was raw. And he's, he's going to have been sitting for two years. Like, he'll be ready to go. And you have to ask yourself, like, at least at least that's what I'm going to do is, like, is that more valuable than just a random quarterback in 2023? Because you don't know who's going to be coming out in 2023. You can look at our Debbie database, which you could have access for now for free because the Patreon is currently free, and get an understanding of who's coming out. But you, most of those guys in the Debbie database don't even get drafted. I mean, we've got like 100 quarterbacks on there, and only like 10 will get drafted. Do you so, have Jordan Love or Bryce Young? That's tough to say because you obviously it's know impossible where Bryce to say. Playing, yeah, like, it's like on, a on a talent level, like I think we we assume Bryce Young is a top 10 pick. He's going to start for somebody, that kind of thing. But here's the thing: is like you have to. 
it's impossible to do that because, like, okay. who is he playing for? Like, is he playing for the Steelers? Like, or is he playing for, like, did Patrick Mahomes throw his arm out, they cut him, and he's playing for, you know, like, shit can happen in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes might not be on the Chiefs in three years. He could be out of the league. You, you, you think that's fucking asinine. But look at Todd Gurley two years ago. I mean, the NFL changes quickly. So, I don't know. I mean, like – just, with Jordan Love, you're playing with fire, but it's so it's so tempting, it's so juicy, it's so out there. Like the upside is. Yeah, I think the thing with Jordan Love is, I mean, it, even if you go back and you look at his tape at Utah State, like I understand he threw interceptions, but when you see him, like you see legit flashes. Like I just feel like the upside with him is just too big to ignore, even for a first. And this misconception that he's just bad. Like I don't know how a player's bad if you've never even taken an NFL snap, like ever. Not even. Holy shit! Not dude, even, that is- that is exactly what I tried to tell Ryan. Was like, not, how I mean, it's not. He, there was no preseason last year. I mean, it, not, he had never taken a preseason snap yet. Like, I just don't understand how that's bad. And he was a he was a first round pick. It's not like, like yeah. So <laughs> you see the reports. I think the biggest thing with him is now because last year there wasn't a lot of talk with the whole offseason. but this year he's he's throwing with the second teamers and stuff like that. And you know he did the he was with the first team at OTAs and stuff like that. So I think the reports that we're seeing now is. You know, oh, Jordan Love, you know, throws an interception. Oh, he he underthrew a guy. He overthrew a guy. And then there'll be a string of absolute beauty of a pass. Perfect spot. Hit a guy in yeah. stride. Deep ball. So you see a lot of both. So now you're just kind of looking for that consistency. And Here's- I will 100% gamble away a first for him to potentially hit that, you know, that upside that, that we talk about. Because it, it's insane. I mean, if he hits his true, true upside – He's a top five dynasty quarterback. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing I've learned about Jordan Love. Um, with my tape evaluation coming out, um, there's a lot to be afraid of um, on his tape, but there's a lot of good. And, like, the good is, like, you can't look away from it. But here's the thing I've learned about Jordan Love is he is somebody, when he gets hot, he gets hot. Even in OTAs, it was happening. It's happened in training camp. There was a report that came out to yesterday or today. I don't remember what day it was. Where he came out like it was he did like a rollout and threw one of the best passes that people had seen in years. Where the entire like everybody who was there started hooping and hollering. Um, like that happened in OTAs too. Like Jordan Love seems like the guy who once he gets going, once he gets hot, gets into a rhythm, and that's always like that's what happens with like guys like Ryan. Fitzpatrick, Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, those kind of guys where it's like they get hot and then all of a sudden you have 40 fantasy points, you know, how the hell it happened. Just the difference with him is, you know, like they, they, he's learning the offense. He's getting that, like that, those two years are so big. And I don't think people are like understanding, like I got into an argument on Twitter today about four games with the Browns last year. Like, you need yes, the four game sample size is nice, but you have to project forward and understand like if something happens, you know, the coaches are going to change this and that. And Jordan Love is such a wild card, and he's got the weapons. He he will have the weapons. It, it's just you know, like if you're a Packers fan and you're listening to this, you can't help but be bitter because like they wouldn't do that for Rodgers. I mean, like they spent a third round pick on a wide receiver who's an absolute baller. But the problem is, like, Aaron Rodgers has already had one foot out the door. You should have made that selection last year. 
like Aaron Rodgers, if he would have had, so who's a wide receiver like in the late second, early third round last year where they could have taken him? I mean, like a wide receiver. Cause it's like, it's they're a day late and a dollar short for a wide receiver, even though the one they got can absolute ball. Visca. Hold on. Oh yeah. What, imagine Rodgers, Adams and LaVisca right now. That'd be spicy. So, That'd be disgusting. 2020 second round, we got T. Higgins and Pittman at the top. Visca was at, well, was at the 10th pick, so that's kind of up there. Claypool was at 17, and then you got Van Jefferson and Denzel Mims at 25 and 27. And then mm. top of the third uh, was Lynn Bowden. We really don't care about him. But then middle of the third, we had Brian Edwards. I c- yeah, Brian Edwards can play, but I still I like I literally forget Lynn Bowden exists. I mean, seriously, like they spent a third round pick on him. They had him in the building for two weeks and yeah, said, Yeah, we missed. Move on. That's crazy. That's a that's a quick turnaround. So I it, it, it would seem here that, that either Claypool or Brian Edwards would have been your best bet. You got a, a mid second and then a mid third. Imagine Aaron Rodgers throwing to Chase Claypool. Sheesh. How high would he be going right now? He, I, I was watching the the Pat McAfee show this week. I watch it every day. I always flip it on in the background when I'm working. And he had Calvin Johnson on this week. And Calvin Johnson was talking about how when they play the Packers, Aaron Rodgers would go to their sideline and be like, hey, you, 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 you follow me. You come over here. You come with me. So he would have had his, like, Mapletron. Like, imagine, um, you know, like Calvin Johnson said he wanted to play for the Packers but it wasn't going to happen. There's no way in hell. Could you imagine the Lions trading him to the Packers? I just want to ask a question on – so we, we talk about Jordan Love and his upside. A quarterback I've been hearing a lot of positive things about is Trey Lance, that he's looking like he could, you know, jump in and start right away. He's making incredible throws. Uh, I guess – how do you guys – view Lance coming in and, and especially compared to like Jordan Love, for example, would you rather take a shot on it? Cause I don't think Lance is going to start at least until later this season, maybe not until next season. So would you rather have, you know, Trey Lance heading in next year or Jordan Love? Um, yeah, I, I probably Jordan Love. And here's a little bit of truth syrup that nobody's going to like. Um, Trey Sermon is just as raw as Jordan Love was coming in. Um, and they're yeah. very similar players. Yeah, um, they're very similar players. So I think Trey Lance offers a little rather, bit more in the mobility and rushing department, but even Jordan Love can Love, run. Really I know, well. Love. Yeah, yeah. So you're still not. I, yeah. I saw today, though, that that I was had to have been just two or three hours ago that um, the 49ers are perfectly content with Trey Lance sitting for two years. Yeah, but they're not – Jimmy G's not like, like – Trey I, Lance isn't starting this year. Unless I, yeah, I, I don't starting. think they're in any rush to to start Trey Lance. Now, Jimmy G, but, I think, has only played one healthy season like over the past five years. So there's a, there's a I think, good bet he might start a game. I think, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I think Trey Lance starts a few games due to injury, but it's not like they want him out there. I, honest to God, believe that they want to do the Jordan Love, Patrick Mahomes. You do not sniff the field. You sit there, shut up and learn, and be a superstar. 
Like and, I, that's what they want to do. And they've Shanahan, they've said that, but people just don't believe them because of some of the things that we've seen. Twitter knows all, and, man. And, and it's totally different than the Bears situation because Matt Nagy and, and his staff are, are dummies. But it's Kyle Shanahan here, guys. Like you can trust right. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, hold on, I'll go defend Matt Nagy for a second. I would absolutely do the same thing with Justin Fields if I'm Matt Nagy. First off, it. Hold on, let me hold on. I I agree That's with what, you. But my point is, is that it's oh. not going to happen because Nagy is bad at coaching. Well, and and they're and that's Nagy, why Justin Nagy Fields is so, here this year. I think Matt Nagy's pretty damn hell bent on Andy Dalton starting this year because he knows for a fact that if they go six and eleven next year, he's on the hot seat. But if he goes six eleven and it says, "Hey, that's the whole plan. We knew that next year was Justin Fields. We've been grooming him. You can't fire me. He'll have to start over." I think that's my biggest issue with the Bears right now is that the GM and the head coach are more focused on keeping their jobs rather than actually trying to do their jobs. That's why that I think, makes me nervous about the Bears. I would argue that taking Justin Fields and sitting him behind an 11-year veteran who's been a Pro Bowl QB is a pretty good idea because that's what we're defending the other two for. So, I mean, like, I think you got to consider apples to apples here. And I think but that they're all in the same situations. It's Andy, Andy Dalton's Dalton. a great NFL quarterback. Okay, hold on. Okay, well, hold on. No, no, no. That's not what I meant to say. He's a great NFL quarterback to learn from. Oof. And he's been in the league for a long time. Oof. Oh, boy. That's You that's, get my point. That's you, getting cut and posted. Oh, and my God. be out of context. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> you get my point, though. Andy Dalton's a great person to learn behind. He knows yeah, yeah. he knows the system. I mean, like, mm-hmm. so he's doing the right thing. I just think that he knows that you can't start Justin Fields at all this year because, hey, look, man, we knew this was going to be a down year. We were getting Justin right. We're ready to go in 2022. That's what they're going to do. I mean, and that's, like – I think he's prolonging it, and I think he's also smart enough to know that, holy shit, this Justin Fields guy we can play, but let's groom him up a little bit because if we get him out there week one and he can't play, I'm getting fired. But if we hold him off for a year, I'm going to save my job for a year because then Justin Fields will come out and be a superstar and save my job. I think that's what they want to do, and about- I think – Sorry, go ahead. I was going to talk about A Rob. I was going to say I think A Rob's going to you know be like, hey, look, I don't want to go anywhere. Justin Fields can play, so – that's a good point, too. That's a good point, too. I will say, uh, though, real quick, I, I just remembered this, is that if they, going back to the Packers, if they do let Devontae Adams walk, remember, DJ Shark, free agent next year. And he he's, gets Trevor Lawrence this year. He just, had, he just had a little girl. He's looking for a payday. This is contract year for him. So there's a chance that the Packers could sign him on a much lesser deal than what they would sign for Devontae Adams. And I think it's a perfect compliment to go with Amari. Uh, I mean, it, it's a much lesser deal because he's a much lesser player. I mean, like, it, it, it I would, I, I want to say it would be like a fine replacement, but like, you're not replacing Devontae Adams. So, like, no, I, of yeah. course not. Nobody is. But DJ Shark is still a very good player. I don't know about very good, but yeah. You know. yep. you, you don't have, even have him in your top 40 wide receiver ranks. So, I'm, not, I'm going through and updating those tomorrow. Not, There's a lot of things that have changed the past month. There's a lot of guys I'm looking at. I'm like, wow, he's got to go down. He's got to go up. Wow, he blew his knee out. Wow, he tore his Achilles. 
What about one last thing? I want to stick on this uh, rookie quarterback situation. Uh, another guy, Bill Belichick, is consistently saying that Cam Newton is their starter. Do you guys think Mac Jones seen, sees the field sooner rather than later, or do you think it's I think, actually going to be well? Here, so I'm a little more plugged into the Patriots. Um, I'm not, okay. I'm pretty plugged into the Patriots. That's the plan. Is like it's an open so it's an open competition where they want to see what Mac can do and if he if he can beat out Cam but like they want Mac, they want Cam to start they want it to be a slow year they understand it's the development phase they know offensively they don't have the weapons to compete and i think they understand that Mac would give them a better chance to compete i think they want to develop him and do him right um, i think right now we may see a shift in quarterbacks in the like i think Patrick Mahomes and the way the Chiefs did that is going to change how teams are starting to develop quarterbacks and make them sit again because we're already starting to see it. We're seeing three or four guys this year who are going to sit and learn because their coaches say, look, we want them to learn like Patrick Mahomes did. So we're seeing a shift in these veteran quarterbacks who are one to two year band-aids while their guy learns in the wings. I will say that uh, Ben Volan, uh, right, so the Boston Globe tweeted out about an hour ago, if there's a QB competition at Patriots camp, I'm not seeing it. Cam Newton is the QB one. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, like they, like yesterday, like Mac took the most reps with the ones, but Cam Newton was still was like three or four behind him. I mean, it's, I, I, it, I, th- I think it's the same thing with Jones, maybe Fields. Um, I, I don't know about Trey Lance, but if, you know, the Bears or the Patriots, they fall out of it and they, they know they're not going to make the playoffs and you got two or three games left. I think that's when we'll see the shift. And then those guys will go into the offseason as the starter for the following year. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a – I believe at some point we see, you know, I'm not all of these guys, but most of them. Jordan Love, Mac Jones, Trey Lance. Um, who else is sitting – um, I know somebody. Um, Wilson and Lawrence are in. Who's the, there's literally three, there's four quarterbacks. Who's like, am I Mac Jones, Davis Mills, Kyle but, Trask? <laughs> but you get my point. It's like, I think that like those first round picks, I think they'll all play um, at some point. Um, whether it's a week 18, whether it's, you know, injuries, whether it's, you know, oh, Justin Fields was the one I was forgetting. Wow. I can't believe we forgot him. Um, but, you know, like whether or not the, other, the team is struggling. But I think we see all of them to some capacity. Um, and I think the preseason this year will be able to give us a good indication, um, at least the first game, because everybody's going to be playing their ass off. Like I, preseason bad football because it's a bunch of bad players. It's all the guys who aren't making the team. Um, so – I think, you know, in the first half, maybe the first quarter of some of the preseason games, you'll see a lot. But until then, it, it's just nonsense camp reports. And even Thursday is going to be some really bad football. Like, that is going to be unbelievably hard to watch, but we're all going to watch it. It'll be bad for the Cowboys. I actually think the Steelers will be okay. So we got Mason Rudolph and Garrett Gilbert. That's going to be fun. So I'm just excited to see Deontay put somebody on skates because yeah. he's been reportedly unguardable in camp. Like, it's funny. You go on fantasy Twitter, 
And all I saw the other day was Deontay Johnson dealing with drops, yada, 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 yada. And then you go on, like, all the Steelers reports and beat reporters and all practice reports, and all you see is Deontay Johnson, unguardable, had one drop in the end zone, has been fine since. Like, it's amazing to see the effort that people are putting into narratives. Yeah, I mean, Claypool and Juju had jobs too. Like, I, I was reading the same stuff, but you only pull out the one line where it says Deontay Johnson had a drop. Uh, there, yeah, I saw a tweet today that um, he, like, made Minka Fitzpatrick fall over. Like, Yeah, I saw that. We're like, Almost like on, a bas- like on a basketball crossover, you make your defender fall over. Like, he changed directions so well. Like, Minka's, like, feet were just stuck. Like, his ankle just rolled, and Deontay took off in the other, other direction. That's just – I think I saw something similar where like he did like a zig route and he changed direction so quick that he went left and the other guy went right yeah. and made him look stupid. I mean, like he's been like unguardable. I and mean, some of these clips that are coming out of practice are like pretty exciting stuff. But the only thing you hear about is the one drop he had in the end zone. Another guy that I've been seeing a lot of here in Denver um, and just in terms of putting people on skates is Jerry Judy. He's a guy that seems like he's coming back. You know, he had some drop passes in his rookie year and he heard a lot of the noise, but he seems like he's due for uh, a big year, year two. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm really curious to see how that shakes out because at the same time you see the reports how Cortland Sutton is just not quite ready mentally. Like he just, I guess he's still, when he's running, he's just still, because I remember I, I had a bad knee injury, man, I, I must have been 17. You know, I tore my MCL and meniscus and stuff like that. And it just took a while just to get back mentally because you start running again or playing basketball, football. You just it just always feels like you're going to tear it again because you remember what that is. So I wonder if at some point like, you know, Cortland, you know, it just takes him two or three weeks to get over that mental hump, even though he's playing well, you know, he is healthy that Jerry Judy just jumps him on the depth chart. I feel like, and I could be wrong on this, but everything that like you're seeing and hearing out of Denver with Cortland Sutton and his ACL is like that he's not going to be the same, that he will never reach what he was projected to be. Um, and it happens. I mean, like I, I'm a little bit worried that that's the same thing happening with Saquon right now. So I think right now Saquon – is more of the mental game that you're talking about, Matt. Like, is that mental game, like, with a big injury like that? Like, that is a real. Twice in the same show. Got a new house, new desk, new computer. Now he's sitting in the dark, freezing out. Still shit (laughs) Wi-Fi. Still shit Wi-Fi. It's not shit Wi-Fi. I don't. It's it's literally only Zoom it that says, does this. It's literally not no. Shit I don't Wi-Fi. <laughs> I I don't know why Zoom does oh, this. Man. I it, I I would like to look into getting um, another platform since we have the Wi-Fi or I since I have the Wi-Fi for it. It's just yeah. We could yeah. do uh, was it Streamyard or something like that? Because then we could do it live. We could do live stuff. I would like to do some. Well, we're gonna get the YouTube stuff soon, but yeah. Um, I, I know did I was talking, see. I'm talking did about see, Saquon. I'll just 
I did see the the Broncos the Broncos team account tweeted out a, a clip of Sutton back on the field and even then I thought he looked like he was running very gingerly he did not look I, explosive at all I just think it's one of those things where he doesn't recover I it seems like it. I mean it's just a gut feeling like I hope I'm wrong and I hope I look really stupid in six months but like he just kind of, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, he's still the, he's still getting there. I mean, and he tore it up pretty bad. So maybe, you know, he just needs more time, and that's what all he needs. Um, but personally, I just – Well, seeing Jerry Judy's going to be and Noah Fant and seeing his development just makes me think that Sutton's going to fall to the third guy um, with the injury. And Tim Patrick showed last year he can play. And that quarterback up there, that Drew Locke kid, he's having a hell of a camp. And, so. and one more thing. I know that, uh, uh, you know, KJ Hamler wasn't the best pick of them, but I've heard good things about him in camp too. I've heard he's playing yeah. very well. Not that he's going to be like a fantasy factor this year, just, uh, you know, just another guy there. But um, I think we can all pretty much agree that we would take Judy before Sutton at this point. Is that right? Yeah. yeah probably. One of my big – you can turn that on. One of my big losers of my dynasty rankings that are coming out soon is um, going to be uh, um, Cortland Sutton. So I, I just don't see – he's going to move down probably pretty far um, in my rankings. Um, and I don't like it. It's just with what I see and my gut feeling and seeing the development of all the other players around him, uh, if you're expecting Jared Judy to take that next jump, then there's a direct correlation of the guy on the other side. So that's just how I look at it. I mean, it sucks, and I think Corlin Sutton's a damn good player, and I hope he gets back 100%. But I think if you're playing a dynasty league and you want a Denver wide receiver, it better be named Jerry Judy or Noah Fant. Yeah, I'm excited about Noah Fant. I read that report from The Athletic yeah, two or three days it. ago. It, it's it's wild i mean they're using him in one session he played he was lined up out out wide in the slot at the tight end to spot and at h-back like they're they are bringing him there his routes or he's gonna be visco but at tight end field it's wild you like that how you like that he's gonna be lavisca he's gonna be what lavisca is gonna be but he's gonna have that little tight end designation i don't like that because I think LaVisca is, uh, from everything that I've read, because I'm keeping a close tab on the Jags, uh, his route running downfield has improved dramatically. Like, he's not just a, he's not just a standard slot guy. Like, I know you keep wanting to saying that, but he's not. This guy is a true, he's a true alpha. And he's, he's a big boy. He's like 6'2", 220. Yeah. I mean, and, and that was always the biggest question. You know, I was looking at Matt Harmon's reception perception and all that stuff like that, and it was – you know, Visca is very, very good underneath. He's equivalent to DJ Moore in a sense, you know, the high volume, but you don't necessarily see the touchdowns, you know, just kind of the running back with once he gets the ball in his hands. But his biggest thing in order to take the next step that we saw with DJ Moore from year one to year two was the downfield route running, the intermediate to deep, uh, deep parts of the field. So we're, we're looking for that same kind of jump that we saw from DJ Moore from one to two with Visca. And if he can do that, I think he's a better football player than, than DJ Moore. So I think he prevent, uh, presents more, especially touchdown upside. I know it's – I don't think he – DJ Moore. 
I don't think he's a better football player than DJ Moore, but I think the better fantasy asset potentially. Um, can we just talk about Brian Edwards? I just want to talk about Brian Edwards. I'm uh, sorry. I just want to talk about I don't know Brian. anything about a guy with two first names. Edwards. We all, we all Ed- knew you were going to get there, Sam. So, yeah, we'll just mute and you go ahead and, and talk okay. about Brian Hold Edwards. on. Edwards is not – Edward is a first name, but Edwards is not. Therefore, your comment doesn't make any sense. Um, he's having a great camp. Um, I mean, I don't <laughs> – John Gruden saying Terrell Owens just has me over the moon excited. Um, and I'm probably going to get let down, and I understand that. But to for your head coach to come out and say, holy shit, this guy's Terrell Owens, <laughs> tells me he's going to play a lot and catch a lot of footballs, and that's all I care about. Um, he's six foot two. He looks great. I mean, have you guys seen him? He's a hunk of a man. He looks good. Um, and, I mean, if he takes that jump – then, I mean, congratulations. He's going to hit. So, I mean, where are you guys at? I know I know, Corey's a big Henry Ruggs guy, but even John Gruden saying that, like, Ruggs is still behind Brian Edwards. Um, I think we're so. in a similar spot maybe, but not really. So it's interesting because we were just talking about the Broncos. You got your big X, your big possession guy in Sutton. You got your downfield speed, great route runner, and Jerry Judy. And you got your, your your premier tied in and Noah fan, right? Then we come over to the Raiders, and it's like you got your big X and Edwards, you got your your speed guy downfield stretcher, better route runner in Henry Ruggs. I don't know about better route runner part. You you know you know the comparison I mean. Uh, and then and then on top of that, like you have Darren Waller, who's more of the X than Edwards. So I don't. Where does that? I just. I mean, if Waller sees over a thousand yards again, has over a thousand yards again, over a hundred targets, whatever it is, how do you, how do you get both Rugs and Edwards to the finish line that people are projecting? You don't. Um, I think Brian Edwards hits a thousand, and then I think Henry Ruggs hits like six hundred, um, because they lost Nelson Aguilar, who's leaving nine hundred receiving yards and. Um, so the opportunity there, I mean, yeah, they brought John Brown, but John Brown is older and he knows his role. Um, so I guess when you look at it, Darren Waller's, he, he's technically the X, but he lines up at H and Y. Um, so just, you know, Brian Edwards is the X. It just, we saw what the X can be last year with Nelson Aguilar. You have to ask yourself, do you think Brian Edwards is better than Nelson Aguilar? And I think, yes. Um, I think Nelson Aguilar is a really good player. I think I think Nelson Aguilar is faster, which helped him win. But I think when you're talking about a big body wide receiver who you want to create some separation, who can go up and get it and break big runs or not big runs, big plays, Brian Edwards is your guy. And we saw flashes of all of that last year, even in a production standpoint. He had some of those go up and get it touchdowns. He had some of those breakaway runs that use him in the screen game. Um, so I mean. Like, I just think that there's such an obvious path for him to hit a thousand, even if Darren Waller has another 100 reception season. Yeah. I I, I still think a a thousand is a little ambitious, personally. I I, I hear what you're saying, but it's like, you know, your Derek Carr, you've been throwing to Darren Waller as your safety blanket. I don't know if that just turns into Brian Edwards over the course of an offseason. No, I'm not saying it. For me, Edwards feels more like. 
like his ceiling for me feels more like a T Higgins from last year, like 750 to 850 yards and six to seven touchdowns. Yeah. That's about how I see it. Like, but like I don't a, understand like, like a high end wide receiver three. I think you're way underestimating his ability when Nelson Aguilar last year on the same offense where he was force feeding Darren Waller had 48 receptions, 900 yards and eight receptions. Right. But, but here's, here's the thing is that you got Darren Waller, you big guy and Aguilar, your speed guy. I don't know if Derek Carr is going to want to feature two big guys. Like Henry Ruggs is also a part of this. They invested a top 13 pick on him. They did not do that with Edwards. So if anything, I think they try and force feed it to Ruggs. And if that doesn't work, then they'll turn to Edwards. Like, I feel like Edwards is going to be the guy that's not going to, I'm not going to say picking up scraps, but he's not necessarily going to be the go-to guy like Waller is. And then maybe Ruggs. Yeah, but you can't live in Darren draft capital because John Gruden I mean, if John Gruden is coming out and saying, yeah, Brian Edwards is way ahead on development, Henry Ruggs is getting there, uh, Brian Edwards is Terrell Owens, and he doesn't particularly care what he spent on a draft pick on a guy once he gets into the building. Um, because Damon Arnett from last year has already been replaced. Um, he's running like the scout team right now, a first-round pick. Or not – was it Damon Arnett last year? Yeah, it was, it was their first-round pick. Yeah, so I mean, like, he doesn't necessarily care about draft capital. And – I mean, like Henry, I'm not saying Henry Ruggs won't have a role. I'm saying when Brian Edwards is on the field, would he rather throw it up to the guy who's six foot two or the guy who's six five six. eleven? Well, I'm not talking about Darren Waller's role is safe, and John Gruden's even said that they put more things in the the playbook for Darren Waller to have a bigger role. I'm saying behind Darren Waller, who am I betting on? The guy who has every trait that I like. Or the guy who has every trait that I prefer to avoid. I mean, personally, I'm going for the six foot two guy right. who's better in my opinion. Yeah. Like I hear what you're saying and and I get what you're saying. Like I understand exactly where you're coming from. But for me, it's not so much as that I have an issue with Edwards. I think he is a good football player. I I am very hesitant and I have a lot of questions about what the offense will look like with these guys. Because they also brought in Drake. So maybe they do more checkdowns. Like, like I don't know. Like I I struggle with John Gruden. So I just, I'm just more wary of the entire offense than outside of Waller. Like he's the only guy I'd really want. Like, I don't where even, are you? I don't where are you? Josh Jacobs. Huh? Like, where are you out, Jacobs? I, I mean, I think Jacobs had a lot of really inefficient games last year. He had a lot of 20 carry games for like 60 something yards. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, did he, did, I don't think he hit a thousand yards last year, did he? Yeah, he did. Total or r- rushing? He didn't. He just he went just over a thousand yards. Well, well, the last two years. Okay, two hundred and seventy-three carries. So, two forty-two, two seventy-three. So he probably hits two hundred and fifty carries. He averaged three point nine. That's not great. He got the touchdowns. I'm not sure we he sees that those targets again because uh, Kenyon Drake is there. I mean, so I think what you I, have, I don't know. Like, I don't, I just don't know how Edwards succeeds. Like I, I, I'm still rolling with wide receiver three. I think that's the correct. I spot. think that's I totally disagree. And I think he's a way better player. And I think, you know, he'll be a huge star, but okay. Here, here's where I'm at with the Raiders backfield. This, I think it'll be very similar to Cleveland. Um, Jacobs will be the one, two. And Hunt will be the three, or I mean, Drake will be the three, and 
you know, third and longs, you know, like third and twelves, like those check down situations and stuff. Um, John Gruden's even said that. So, I mean, it's kind of what I expect um, in the, like, that, you know, I mean, that's kind of what I think will happen. It's just how value I, with, with Kenyon Drake, if you're in a PPR league, what is best case scenario? Like he's not catching 80 footballs next year. He could catch like 50 or 60, maybe. So like a hopeful flex play some weeks. Yeah, I think that's all you're hoping for. But with Jacobs, I mean, Jacobs is going on DLF as RB21. So that feels – it feels like it, the Drake factor is kind of baked into his cost right now, and he might yeah, even yeah. be a value at that point. I think so because I think he's still a better football player than what he's given credit for. Yeah, I, I agree. Still think he's, I still think he's going to see at least 200 carries. And he's yep. a guy who's well over four, four and a half a pop. So he could still be pushing a thousand yards. Yeah. yeah. And I would say probably even more than just, I know you say like at least 200. I would, yeah, I would project him for, what'd you say he got last year, Matt? Like 260? Yeah, he saw 273 last year and then 242 the previous year. So meet in the middle, you go 250. 250. Yeah, when you're would... hitting him, you know, like in the fifth and sixth round, he could be your literal RB3 if you draft like I do. So imagine rolling a team yeah. out with one with, Dalvin Cook, uh, Miles Sanders, and then Josh, Josh Jacobs yeah. with, and then like your wide receivers probably be like who the second round or third round. So like Calvin Ridley, uh, you know, I mean, like you could yeah. build Dak's team rather quickly with Josh and, Jacobs. And I don't, you know, I'm not declaring him as such, but he, in that range, he could well, honestly become a lead winner. Yeah. Fantasy no, can, I, Twitter I is think, left for dead. I'm I'm saying like he could be a potential league like I'm not calling him a league winner but he could potentially in that range I mean if something happened to Drake or they just don't use him as much as we'll think or he's strictly a pass catcher I think you know if Jacobs is going that late it's not it's still not out of the question that he finishes as an RB1 so I mean I think that's good value but uh, one guy I want to talk about that we haven't even touched on yet is Carson Wentz because obviously that news came out what do we make of Wentz, Eason, uh, Pittman, Campbell, Jonathan Taylor? How does it affect the whole the whole operation there? I, I put a tweet out today, so I kind of feel like I should talk about it a little bit. I mean, like, I was never big on Eason coming in. I, I There's potential, but I didn't love him. I know Matt disagrees. Matt will have a lot to say about Eason. Um, you know, and if to, – to be honest with you, my bigger concern is putting Nelson. Um I think I think their offense is hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor and don't let Carson Wentz screw it up. So I think Jacob, Jacob Easton will be able to do that for at least a few games. Um, my bigger concern, like I said, is Nelson. Um, if he's gone, that impacts Jonathan Taylor a lot. Um, you're talking about a guy who's arguably the best left tack or left guard in the league, without a doubt. Um, so that's huge. I mean, like he's a tough guy. He's a tough cookie, but if he's out, that's huge and. Marlon Mack looks good. He looks really good. So, like, what if Jonathan Taylor doesn't get these carries that people are expecting him? Like, is Jonathan Taylor set up to be a huge bust? No. No, but I think where he's going, like, I would – I mean I... – Like, is it possible that he was drafting him in, your, in the first round, but he finishes as, like, RB17? Like, is that no. possible? No. I think that's too low, but I think it's possible he finishes as like RB twelve. He's on like, that that same range as I think 
like Saquon Barkley in the sense is like, oh man, how do, how do I say this? He doesn't need a lot. Like yeah. he, he is the big play. Like well, so the, I think big plays are not fluky for him. He creates them. It's just part of his game. In terms of dynasty, I know he's younger, but otherwise, what is the difference between him and Nick Chubb? He's not sharing a backfield with Kareem Hunt. But he's sharing one with Naheem Hines. I mean, neither of them are going to catch it. And Marlon Mack and Coach Reich is – he literally said on the Pat McAfee show today, and I know, like, I can't keep swearing to the Pat McAfee show like the Bible, but, he like, he's going to be using – he said a lot today – a bunch of two running back sets where he's going to be flexing guys out, keeping in motion. So like those guys are going to play like they might be annoying. They might just be so annoying all year to Jonathan Taylor owners. I I don't feel like Hines would be annoying because the stuff that I've read is that they've split him out into the slot. Like he's playing like in your, yeah, that's that's what I Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if there's a guy getting the carries, it's Jonathan Taylor. Like I, I, Jonathan Taylor's going to get 20, but that's that's still. I gonna... still think Marlon Mack will see five or six carries a week, and that's just enough to be annoying. But like, I mean, it might be a Marlon Mack touchdown here, a Marlon Mack reception there, and it's like just enough where it's like, what the? Why is that not my fantasy point? I just really don't think that because I mean, you get down to the goal line, you're not going to take out Jonathan Taylor on the one to bring in Marlon Mack. Like it's it's just is not Marlon how that's Mack, work. What is Marlon Mack's like? career efficiency on red zone like is he a goal line beast i have no idea like i mean but if he's somebody who like thrives in the goal line like you don't you he could be a beast. well the thing about you know heinz lining up in the slot i mean jd mckissick lined up in the slot more than any running back last year he lined up in the slot a ton and he still impacted antonio gibson a lot i mean so even lining up in the slot he can take away a lot of you know, receiving work and stuff from, from Taylor. I don't know. I think for me, I, I, I think I'd rather have Chubb, especially where he's going for this year. Um, yeah, I think, I think hungry, the, but. the biggest question with Taylor for 2021 is just like, is he going to meet his cost? Like where he's being drafted. Right. I That's kind of what I'm saying. When I say huge bust, like I think people set these expectations like Miles Sanders last year. Oh yeah, I'm drafting him late first round, and then he's an RB two some weeks, an RB one with some weeks, and then the year next he's a screaming value. Like I don't want that to happen to Jonathan Taylor, where it's like that could happen. I and- have I have no issue drafting Jonathan Taylor in the first. I mean, I understand that they've been saying these things about about Hines, but also at the same time, you know, Frank Reich has said this the same stuff about Jonathan Taylor. Like he's absolutely earned the right to be the RB one. Like he's our oh, yeah, guy. Absolutely. He's gonna get work. So I'm just like. You know, you can't believe one and then not the other. Like, I think what you see, and I could be wrong, but like, if I'm projecting this like on an like a per game average, like over the season, I think Jonathan Taylor about 14, 15 carries, Marlon Mack for five carries, Jonathan Taylor anywhere between one and three receptions. That's the hope. And is that good enough to put RB one numbers up? Yeah, but is that enough to put overall number one RB finishes up and I don't, you know, like that's where you start to have questions, but that, I think that's like the the expectation. At least that's what I have. And that's why, like, I think slotting Jaden Jonathan Taylor in the first round is fine. But when Chad talks about taking him over Chubb or something like that, like, you know, like, I think I'm with Chad. I think I would take Nick Chubb, but I think I just, I think I personally understand how good Nick Chubb is. I mean, yeah. like from, 
I had the luxury of knowing him, like, you know, like working and seeing like who he is. So yeah, I'm pretty anybody. You of anybody. And I've, I've loved Nick Chubb. He was like my favorite player since he came in the league and I've watched a ton of Browns games. So I've been on his, you know, I might be a little biased towards. Can I tell you guys a story? Yes, please. You want to know a fantasy related story where if I would have, okay. In 2017, I was up in Cleveland. I'll never forget where I was. I was in Cleveland. I was in a drive through parking lot. Um, I was at McDonald's and I was ordering food. It was 2017. And I had just traded I think it was like Drew Brees and somebody for another quarterback and Carlos Hyde. And I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm working with the running backs. You know, I know he's the guy. Or It was 2018 then because Nick Chubb was a rookie. Um, I just traded for Carlos Hyde. I get back to the office and I got told that Carlos Hyde had been traded. And I had like then it started popping up on the phone. And I literally just made the trade with Kathy. Like, and it was like one of those trades where like now Carlos Hyde, I have Carlos Hyde, who's a Jaguar. What the heck am I going to do with that? And it's like, and then I, I think I slightly upgraded the QB, but I was like trying to make that trade. It's like, I'll never forget like walking in and like feeling the anger, right? Where I could, if I just would have like kind of been scummy and kind of asked transactions for that day, I would have not made that trade. So and Nick I Judd, have a- like. I, I, also I, I, I told I told Nick that and he looked me dead in the face and goes, yeah, that was dumb to bet against me and chuckled. <laughs> and like he does this. His shoulders are like if, if you guys have ever seen him, like his shoulders are so like broad, like they're like right on his neck. He like did his like little chuckle and like hit my arm and like on there. I was that's, like, all right. Noted. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I have a story on the flip side real quick. I traded that year. I bought into Nick Chubb a lot that year and I traded it was Jordan Howard and I think maybe like a third round pick or something, something very insignificant. It was basically Jordan Howard for, and this sounds insane, Jordan Howard, but he was like kind of a fantasy stud at one point yeah, he was. Him for Nick Chubb and Cortland Sutton. And I was told I was an idiot. Most, most people hated that trade for me. And look at that. Now that was just uh, one of my favorite trades I've ever made. Matt, Jordan know. Howard hit it, hit the ground. Hard. And I, I don't I know what happened time. too. He was, I mean, the thing is, is he was never very good. He was all yeah. volume. He like, was a he plotter. Was he was always volume. a plotter. Like, that's why he was so fantasy relevant. But like he was, he didn't like he didn't make big plays. He would have twenty five carries for seventy two yards and a touchdown. Like he wasn't good. He was just volume. That's also how I feel about Austin Eckler. But that's not. Matt, did you have a, a story? Because I have a, I have a one last question for you before we get get out of yeah, here. Yeah, just but. with Chubb, I remember when he was he was behind Hyde when he got drafted, and you know Hyde got signed in that same season or whatever. Uh, it was like I was playing in just my home league. It was we had really shallow benches that year before we like truly expanded into a dynasty. And I just remember like reading weekly information, like watching Chubb. Like I, I knew Chubb was good, and no you know our rookie draft like we really didn't have one it was more of a keeper league at the time but for like two or three weeks like i'd pick him up i'd drop him i'd pick him up i'd drop him like i was just so indecisive and then finally i just went with my gut and i picked him up and then like sam said like not even two days later they announced the trade and i was like wow and at that point i just absolute home run yeah that's how i felt i think they they'd made that trade shortly after i acquired him and sutton too and that was just an amazing feeling but the thing is, is like, I didn't take fantasy. Like that was the day where I decided, like, I think I remember like, that's the day I started to take fantasy seriously. Cause like, I didn't take fantasy seriously until then. Like I was very like casual with it. You know, like 
I didn't think it was important to have rookies. Like I was really, I was bad. I mean, like I won the championship because I had Todd Gurley, but like I didn't pay much attention. I was always all in real life football all the time. So I like, I didn't think it was important to go get Nick Chubb. Like I was like, Oh, like, you know, he's behind Carlos this year. Like, he, you know, like he's learning you know, like and stuff like that. And it's like, he's, that, like I, I didn't Chubb is my most rostered player. He's a guy I bought a ton of around that his rookie year because there isn't, there is an absolute dip with him being behind Carlos Hyde. Yeah, and it's like I was in the building and I didn't know better for fantasy. Like, that's when I started thinking. I was like, all right, this this ain't happening again. I will say though, to to get back on topic real quick with the Colts, um, I'm not terribly terribly worried uh, that Carson Wentz is going to miss a lot of time. Uh, like Sam said, the Quentin Nelson is a little bit more significant, but they're kind of on the same timeline, so you would assume they both come back at the same time. So I'm not really fading Jonathan Taylor any I'm not fading Michael Pittman um everything that that we've seen and I'm sure if you guys are listening you've seen some of the same stuff like I feel like every Michael Pittman report is he threw a guy to the ground and got in his face like Michael Pittman's a dog like he's getting in people's faces and practice his own teammates and Frank Reich even if Jacob Beeson has to play a few games is going to scheme his number one option open every single time even if it has to come back to the same stuff as we did last year with crossing patterns and stuff like that just to get the ball in his hands. Like, I'm not terribly worried about Michael Pittman and Jacob Eason. Yeah, I want to double down on that because Frank Reich has said, like, since drafting um, Michael Pittman and multiple interviews this offseason and even on the Pat McAfee show, he's talked about, like, Michael Pittman. He's like, look, he's six foot four, and we drafted him with a 33rd overall pick. Like, we expect him to be our leader in the receiving room for years to come. And we put that on his plate this offseason. And I told him, like, we need you. Step up. And Coach Wright was like, and I expect him to. He works at it. He's got the ability. So, like, I mean, like, if, if, if a coach is coming out and saying that, like, hey, we expect you to be the guy and be the leader, and we drafted you to do that, like, all flat. Like, I don't understand why he's not being talked about more than, like, T. Higgins. Same, similar players, similar draft capital, similar profiles, similar body builds. Just one of them is the alpha. One of them is the backup. Or not the backup, but like the beta. I'm not uh, – man, I got so much to say to that. But I'm not going to – We just opened a can of worms is what matters. All, all I'm going to say is fade the noise. Like read between the lines. Like understand what they're telling you. T.Y. Hilton is not the wide receiver one on this team. Michael Pittman Jr. is, and he's going to get fed. Well, and that's what I was just going to say is that they're they're telling us who the they're number one guy is, and people still don't want to believe it. Yeah. Like, like, they're not just telling me. Like, sometimes, oh, yeah, duh, coach speak. Yeah. yeah duh, 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 duh. Like, he's, they're literally telling us, like, he's, like, the number one. Like, I mean, you have your GM going on a media tour saying, yeah, we didn't bring anybody in because we like we really like Pittman and we're going to rely on him this year. And I'm like, yeah, you don't say that if you're like we're relying on him as our wide receiver three this year, guys. You know, T.Y. I have an ability. year old T.Y. Hilton is still the guy. It's like that's just not how that works. So I okay. So I'm I've coached. You guys know me. I've been around. Like I haven't been around long. Like I'm still young, but I've been around. Like I I am able to read through coach speak and like decipher what is and what isn't important. But like I don't know how to like explain that to people. Like, I don't know how to explain someone's like Coach Reich saying, like, hey, Michael Pittman is our guy, and here's why is 
is valid, but someone like coming out and saying his he's gonna have a bigger role, like player X is gonna have a bigger role in 2021 is actual coach speak. Like I know I know what I'm talking about and I know I'm right when I'm listening through coach speak and how it's talked about, but like I don't know how to like explain that I'm right. You know what I mean? Well I, I will say that last year my all in duo that I went all in on was Claypool and Deontay. And this year, my all in duo is Jalen Hurts and Michael Pittman. Those are the four. I bet I, I, I know I'm understand. I'm, I'm a youngster compared to some of these other guys out here in the fantasy Twitter sphere and, and in the business. But those are the four guys that I've like put my stamp on. I am all in on. And Michael Pittman is still going as wide receiver 44. He's going behind Curtis Samuel, who's That's wide the- receiver 43. He's going behind Curtis Samuel. In what world is somebody That's- taking Curtis Samuel ahead of Michael Pittman? On Twitter, you- so, so, somebody out there is thinking, yes, give me the wide receiver three gadget player over the guy that's 6'4 that possesses legit alpha upside. That makes Pittman's sense. younger, bigger just better and he has the number one role in his offense so it's it's mind-boggling but anyways we are running up against time do you guys have any last little tidbits you want to mention before we get out of here anything quick yes jacob harris uh practice today he's back from his core muscle surgery so he's back with the and they honestly didn't even ease him in like everything that i read he jumped right back into the first team he was catching passes from stafford so that's good news is there, is there anybody, anything quick, any rookie breakouts that have been making noise in camp that we didn't talk about that we should be talking about? I um, have one. I, Smith, Marcet. Sure, that's one. That's not the one I was going to say. Okay. Elijah Moore was mine. We talked about Well, him. yeah, we, but he's Smith, pretty obvious. Smith, Marcet is, you know, battling for that wide receiver three job. Especially um, with Ola B.C. Johnson going down. That- yep. Opens uh, a little bit of a Sam path. posted a, little, a juicy little update on the Patreon, which you can get for free right now. I will refund your money for the month of August. All you got to do is sign up and then you can see it for yourself. Patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. But he is competing for the wide receiver three uh, spot. Um, the expectation in, long, in the long term is that he overtakes Thielen for the wide receiver two at some point uh, and is a great compliment to Jefferson. And he's just going to, continue making plays i mean he's raw he's on this is his fourth year ever playing wide receiver so lot, raw but lots of upside and, and the vikings believe that i quote he has untapped talent but the one rookie i do want to point out that i still think uh chad maybe you can look up where he's going sneakle collins like i understand that the texans are a dumpster fire right now but brandon cooks can't stop talking about him like this guy's not a veteran um justin reed one of the better safeties in the league has been burned multiple times on -on one-on-ones like nico just his route running is just so good for someone that his size to being this young uh nico collins is going to make a major major impact and it's not like tyrod taylor is that bad like tyrod taylor can can offer a wide receiver three and you know if he hits that 750 like kind of like you know, Higgins did that 750 to 900 yards, six, seven touchdowns this year. There's going to be a massive spike next year when they get a new quarterback potentially in his value. So you need to get on on that now. Nico Collins is the real deal. And another frustrating ADP. He's going as wide receiver 71, 71. Yeah. I mean, he's free at this point. Yeah. He offers the same upside as a rookie that T Higgins gave you last year. And, and people right. are avoiding him because 
of the team. And I get that, but Tyrod Taylor's not a scrub. Like he was starting for the Chargers last year with Keenan Allen until, you know, they poked a needle in his lung or some something like that happened. And then he was forced to forced to go to the bench. So yeah, there there's gonna be multiple pass catchers that are relevant for the Texans this year. Multiple. I think Brandon Cook still has some relevancy, but Nico Collins is I think the Texans are going to be bad in real life, but I think they're going to surprise in fantasy. Sure. I have two people I want to talk about really quickly. Both tight ends. Um, Kylan Granson, Colts, um, Dynasty, pick him up. Um, he's making plays. They like him. He's starting. Um, he's currently running with the ones. Um, how much fantasy value does he have? I don't know. Um, probably mid-tier tight end, too, if he hits. Um, they like him. He's athletic, big. So, um, rookie, they spent like a fifth-round pick on him. Um, but the more exciting dynasty stash I want to talk about um, would be Noah Gray. Um, they like this. This kid can play, um, and they like him. They like him a lot. Um, and he is literally the best mentor to ever learn behind. Um, and if you're thinking long-term and you got a spot you want to sit on, you know, and if something were to happen, God forbid, to Travis Kelsey, you'd have a guy who can come in and step in. Um, he's, he's very similar to Travis Kelsey. Um, so, and he's going to learn for a couple of years. Will he ever become like this Travis Kelsey? No, I mean, you're never going to get another Travis Kelsey, but in a couple of years, he might be worth something. Um, and he's interesting and they like him and he's going to play some this year. So he, you might get a little bit of a flash with him. Um, but those are just two tight ends that I think you should probably keep your eye on for dynasty. Um, and guys who could have some 2021 value. Would you like me to let you know what, where they graded on the tight end model? Yeah, actually. So and compare it with Jacob Harris too, because you sure. nailed Jacob Harris first. Sure. So we're gonna start with uh, Kylan Granson. So he graded out in my tier three. Uh, is a quote unquote athletic stash. It means that he has the the body, the intangibles, the athleticism. Um, it's just a question about his role. Will he ever be put in a role to succeed? Uh, so he is uh, some guy definitely to monitor, as Sam said. Uh, as for Noah Gray, though, he graded out in tier four. He has almost a 0% chance. He actually has a 4% chance to ever finish his top eight and a 12% chance to finish in the top 12. Um, yeah. Let's see here. He graded out as 86 out of 103. So that's not very good. And then we compare him to Travis Kelsey, who's his mentor. Travis Kelsey graded at 15th in the, the tier, that, uh, tier two, which has uh, a 50% chance uh, of hitting top 12. Yeah, I don't, I'm, 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 in, I'm in on Granson, but I don't know about Noah Gray just because I guess the only thing that would make him interesting it, to me is like he, like the model says he doesn't possess athleticism that you want a tight end. But if he's force fed the ball, then I, then I would understand that. But of the guys that I have down of the 103 tight ends I have in here, there's not, he just, it's not a good outlook, not one I'm willing to. No, I, I'm just saying I think he's worth the stash. I mean, like, sure, sure. they drafted him. They like him. He start, he, he's not starting, but he's playing. And if you've got a good – if you've got a, a spot to stash right now, the guy learning behind Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs offense is always a pretty good place to start. That's all I'm saying. Yep. And then as for Jacob Harris, he graded out as 12th out of 103, uh, right in front of Darren Waller and right behind Greg Olson and Mike Gesicki. Uh, he finished in the tier two, although he is the top of the tier two. Uh, he was five points away from being in the tier one, which is an elite prospect. So he's hovering 
on roughly a nine. My model says about a 90% chance to finish as a top 12 tight end, at least once he's hovering on that, that 80 to 90% uh, borderline. So I was really excited to, to see him grade out. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, during the, the pre-draft process, you know, he's like just a UCF wide receiver. But for me, when I took notices, when I was watching the draft, they, the Rams announced him as a tight end. And at that point I dialed in. Um, there are a couple guys I want to mention real quick before we head out. That's one of them is Larry Roundtree running back for the chargers. I've thought long thought he's pretty interesting, especially now um, Justin Jackson was placed on the reserve COVID list. And there have been rumors of them possibly cutting Jackson. Um, we know there's going to be a running back that has value next to Eckler and Roundtree's the only one that, that this regime, you know, drafted and Joshua Kelly was awful after having a few good weeks last year he was bad and then now with Justin Jackson you know starting camp kind of behind I think Roundtree is an interesting name that could carve out a role next to Eckler he's a he's a bigger guy and could definitely be like a goal line a goal line back and um, I think there's room for him to to carve out a role there and then the other thing I want to mention a lot of reports out of Denver that Melvin Gordon is clearly the RB1 and I just want to say nothing has changed on Javante Williams I I've always thought that you know, Gordon might spend more time on the field, but the touches might be closer to 50-50 and Javante Williams will be the more efficient back. And eventually, whether it's early, mid, late season, I think he will kind of take over as the better back at some point this season. Sam, you have something to add? No, I was looking at the boat bites on my hand. <laughs> well, get those taken care of. I thought you were like raising your hand. I was like, no. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Um, remember, go get the free Patreon this week. Sign up. Um, it's absolutely free. You got nothing to lose. But um, that's going to do it for our uh, training camp storylines. We'll be back next week on our division preview segment with the NFC South on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. 